0: back tonight and uh, giving me the opportunity to direct your thoughts along things spiritual. Hope the things that we talk about tonight will be helpful to us. Tonight I want to talk about modern worship and the, the um, trend towards more modern worship that's been going on now for a while. And I want to talk about that and look at some of the uh, problems that approach with you tonight so we understand what the scriptures teach on this subject on how God should be worshipped in John in Revelation chapter 22 I'm going to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22 it sets for us the conditions and the object of our worship and John uh, Revelation 22 beginning verse 8 Revelation chapter 22 verse 8 this is at the end of the book of Revelation. They tell us who we need to be worshiping. And these words tell us we need to be worshiping God. And Revelation twenty two beginning verse eight. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had seen, heard and seen, I fell down and to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things, then saith he unto me, See thou do not do it, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. The angel in two words there tells us the object of our worship. John had seen amazing things, impressive things from this angel. And his response was to worship the angel. The angel says, no, not so fast. You worship God. God is the source of your worship. I will remind you what we, read, we studied in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, that angels are, are of a higher rank than men. We don't worship men. We don't worship angels. We worship god but many it seems today are forgetting this simple instruction this two-word instruction to worship god and they're no longer putting the focus on god and the son but they are instead i believe worshiping men romans chapter 1 verse 25 warns us about this in romans chapter 1 verse 25 you remember the passage who exchanged the truth of God for a li- the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I believe if you look at modern worship services today, you won't see God at the center of those worship services. You'll see men and what men want and what their preferences are, what their desires, what they get out of it. And we'll talk about that tonight. But this worship, I believe, is serving the needs of men rather than what God wants. And people have been forthcoming about it. And if you look online and read the motivations for changing worship to make it more modern, the goal is to get more people to come. And that's explicitly said. I've got some articles to show that. But that desire is bleeding into the church, I'm afraid. And we need to be grounded on what God wants in worship what the who the object of our worship is, and how we are to worship God. All over the world, you see these modern worship trends. I've got a couple of them that just are outrageous. This is from the Tennessean. This is from the Cornerstone Church up in north of Nashville and Madison. And they turned their sanctuary into a rodeo arena. Cornerstone Nashville, the Tennessean says, packed away its sanctuary chairs for the Independence Day weekend and moved in dirt, bucking chutes, and bulls for five days of indoor rodeo. While fun is certainly a part of the Madison megachurch's motives, the holiday celebrations are church services focused on telling people about Jesus in hopes they'll become Christians, said the Reverend Murray Davis, the the church's pastor. We've talked about the pastor title, and that reverend title should be reserved for God, but nonetheless, it came, he says, from the idea of how do we compel people to come into the house? Jesus said, compel them to come in that my house may be full, Davis said. We're hoping that every person that comes into this room is ready to meet the Lord. Plus, the 4th of July emphasizes God and country, Davis says. As a former Texan, he said an, independent, an international pro-rodeo association sanctioned event uh, complete with patriotic melodies, fireworks, and country music is an obvious way to mark the holiday. The majority of Protestant pastors, 61%, surveyed by national based LifeWay Research, say that incorporating patriotic elements into their Independence Day services is important. The article goes on, but it's not their first rodeo. Known for its large-scale illustrative uh, sermons, Cornerstone Nashville also converted its sanctuary into an arena in 2010 to host a similar IPA uh, uh, rodeo association show. The church uses major set designs, costuming, props, and special effects to bring what would be a typical sermon to life. Other events have included a zoo, and productions about the, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein and the Gospel according to Sc- uh, Scrooge. The Bible certainly makes p- a space for laughter and fun, and that shouldn't be confused with the Holy Book's warnings against bringing idols into God's house, Davis said. It's talking about having thoughts, concepts, and values that violate biblical principles in the house, compromising uh, with the society that may be at odds in different areas of what, uh, what we believe. Cornerstone is anticipating that about 20,000 people will come through its doors for the free shows, which started Wednesday night and run through Sunday morning. Each day, Davis preaches a sermon that has an altar call, asking people to commit themselves to the faith between the second and third bull rider. There's a prayer and singing, and they take up a monetary offering, too. Janice and Dale Barnacode, who are members of of Cornerstone, brought their daughter and granddaughter to take in the Thursday night show. But they knew the evening was more than just watching bucking bulls or even their own worship experience. Dale Barnacote explained the outreach event helps make the church seem more inviting to people who are wary or uninterested in attending a more traditional service. If you're not going to come to church, you're not going to come to church. But you might come to a rodeo, he said. Do you see the motivation? It's not what does God want? How can we glorify Him? But what do people want? How do you get them in? And they're not going to be interested in the Bible. Ah, what a waste. Let's have some bull riding. Let's have some fireworks. And then, I don't know if you've seen this on the Internet, but that is a preacher, and he's hanging from the ceiling, and he's floating down to the stage from the Memphis Commercial Appeal floating pastor from South Haven's Brown Missionary Baptist Church goes viral. A South Haven pastor is a viral sensation after, after descending from the rafters of his church to the pulpit during a Sunday sermon. The video was posted Sunday afternoon and racked up over a million views on Facebook within a few hours and over two million views by Monday morning. Facebook comments uh, identified the pastor as a bartholomew Orr from brown missionary church when contacted Orr said that the high-flying stunt was born from a mix of simple curiosity and a desire to deliver sunday's gospel message in an informative way how can we use the message to the, of jesus christ to the internet the pastor asked as it turns out the pastor might have answered his own question or was on the balcony of Brown's south haven campus when staff was go, were going through uh, the flight school a sort of rehearsal for the church's singing christmas tree production the rigging for the suspension wires were already in place uh, from previous year's performances we have angels floating down during the production and all kinds of elements or said i was up there watching the other characters from the christmas production go through that flight school and something that said to me hey i want to try this Orr was rigged up and took a test flight, which was captured in a short video and posted to the church's Instagram account just for fun. To my surprise, Orr said, people started commenting, saying they couldn't wait for the sermon on Sunday. That's when I turned to my wife and said, I guess I have to fly in. As planned, Orr flew in from the balcony Sunday morning while delivering a message about Christ's eventual return. As Orr's legs dangled above his congregation, he asked my brothers and sisters, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? Or was not ready for the internet's response, it just goes to show you, or said you never know what, what the Lord might use to get his message out. Along among the fray of uh, the post comment section, a theme emerged that questioned the use of church funds for, for Orr's aerobatic antics. Congregates were swift to defend their pastor, praising him for his ingenuity and thinking out of the box. And it goes on and on. This is obviously ridiculous. But I want to tell you, if we don't stick to what God has said about how He wants to be worshipped, you have to let this go on, and you have to let everything go on. You see, this is an all-or-nothing proposition. Either we worship God the way that He said to worship Him, or we're worshipping ourselves. Either we worship God the way that He said to worship Him, or anything and everything goes, and you can't condemn anything. Anything even bringing in the bull riding. Tonight, let's look at this idea of modern worship and what is wrong with modern worship. First, we need to begin that discussion by asking the question, what is worship? You know, that's a word that's thrown around a lot and a word that is misused many times. What is worship? A lot of people define worship in a lot of different ways, but the words used to translate uh, into worship in our Bibles are pretty easy to understand. The Hebrew word is shakah, that is translated worship in our English Bible, and it means to bow down or fall down before someone. Now you might use this word to describe what a slave does before his master, or what a subject does before his king, or what a person does falling down before his God. That's the idea. You're falling down, you're bowing down. It implies reverence. It implies that you consider them worthy and you're showing their worthiness through your actions. That's what it means in the Hebrew. In the Greek, there are three words that are translated worship with a similar meaning to each of them. And one of those words means to kiss or to fall down before. The idea being that you would kiss someone's hand Uh, To show that you exalt them and you reverence them. Worship, then, is a demonstration of our attitude towards others. But notice that worship is an action. It's not just an attitude. It's not just a thought. It is something that we do. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, it, it, it involved and included action. It's not just a feeling. Many, though, are wanting to define worship as just being some type of feeling. And you will hear people say, well, I can worship God anywhere. In fact, some will say that we worship God 24-7. Our life is worship to God, and it is not. You might hear someone who wants to defend uh, skipping church and worship on Sunday and going hunting. They might say, well, I worship God in the deer stand. I worship God there. It's just an attitude. It's just a thought. And if I happen to be really impressed with God's creation, I'm worshiping Him somehow. But we see from the words that worship is an action. Notice from the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, Abraham had been instructed to go and sacrifice his son Isaac. A definite act of worship. And notice how Abraham described this to those that were with them. In Genesis 22, verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Notice what Abraham said. He said, I'm going to a place, and I will worship and come back. His worship was at a place, and it had a start time and an end time. It wasn't a church building, but it was a definitive action, wasn't it? There was a start and an end. To Abraham's worship. Dan David had this same attitude in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 20. 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 20 after David had lost his newborn son. And 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, so David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. You see that David's worship had a start and an end. It wasn't a 24-7 thing with David. It was a specific action that David took. We need to understand that. That worship is not something that we just sort of define as we want. That it's our life is worship. That it, you, you can't say that there's anything that's not worship. No, worship is a defined act. And God has defined how He wants us to worship Him. The types of worship that God wants that are authorized for Him. There are five, kids, you need to listen to this. There's five acts of worship. And if you think about what we've done today in our worship to God, you know what those five acts are. The first of those being singing, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, Singing. We are to worship God in song. That's what God has asked us to do. He's asked us to worship. He's commanded and instructed us to worship Him in song. We also see that prayer is included in our worship to God. Prayer in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Prayer is one of those acts of worship that God has instructed us to do. Acts 2, verse 42. We also see that Christians, when they worship God together, there was preaching or teaching involved in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. And so we have teaching or preaching that is involved in these five acts of worship. Acts 20, verse 7. And you can worship God in those ways any day of the week. In song, in prayer, and in preaching. There are two acts that are just isolated to Sunday and limited to Sunday. Because that specific day is mentioned of those. One of those being giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning of verse 1. 1 Corinthians 16, beginning in verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must also do on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by something aside, uh, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Giving was instructed for us in our worship to God on the first day of the week. And then finally, we know this as well, the Lord's Supper is commanded of us. In First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty, the Corinthians were not worshiping God like they should in this matter. And Paul had to give them more specific instruction on how this needed to be done. In Acts eleven First Corinthians eleven verse twenty. Therefore when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's supper, for in eating each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed. Took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Who, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the, this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. You see, there were important instructions about this. They weren't just worshiping God when they were at home eating their common meal. They needed to eat their common meal at home, but they needed to come together to worship God in partaking of the Lord's Supper. In Acts 20, verse 7, the verse we looked at already, tells us what day of the week they did that on. On the first day of the week. And so there are five acts of worship. Those five acts of worship, by the way, have not changed in over 2,000 years. Those, or almost 2,000 years. Those five acts of worship are exactly the same as they were in the first century. That's how we're to be worshiping God today. And yet... We have in the modern world today, modern worship, where many are suggesting that this old-fashioned worship is not acceptable, that people aren't interested in that. They're not interested in that. In fact, we need to change our worship to make it more like the times, more what people are interested in. You see, people aren't interested in sitting through a sermon where a boring guy gets up and talks about the Bible. People aren't interested in that. People aren't interested in a cappella worship where we just sing and we see, sing songs that are very scriptural and very based in scripture. People aren't interested in it. They want something with an upbeat beat. They, don't, well, they want something with a message that's not too heavy. They want something that, that is more exciting. They're not interested in worshiping in a room like this that's well lit. They want the lights to be brought down low. They want it to look like a rock concert with some fog machines. They're not interested in the traditional worship anymore. It needs to change. And why? Because we don't want church to be boring. Because if church is boring, then people won't come. And if you look at the news reports, if you look at the surveys, you see that church attendance is on the decline. And so we need to do something to turn that around. Let's give people what they want. If they're not happy with what the Bible says about worship, let's give them what they want so that they'll come and so that they'll worship. And so we see modern worship all around us today. The mega churches are leading the way. And when people are interviewed after the worship service, and perhaps you've talked to people about this type of worship, what do they say? Oh, I love it. It is very uplifting. I love it. It's exactly what I want. It's entertaining. It's fun. Some megachurches have been clear that people, that they're moving this way to entertain the crowds. One churchgoer said that he enjoyed going to church now because it's almost like going to a movie, only better. Can you imagine that? I like church because it's like going to a movie, only better. One church leader admitted that everything in their church was modeled after Walt Disney World. They wanted the same type of experience for the people who came, like you were going to Walt Disney World. And it's working. People are coming. The crowds are growing. Look at the church across the street. It's growing. It works. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with modern worship? I want to tell you that modern worship is wrong because it has the wrong attitude. It's driven by the wrong attitude. It's driven by the attitude of what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? I'll worship God if I get something out of it. That's what's wrong with this. Uh, there are a lot of folks who are are, are noting the, what's wrong with with this type of approach. The Christian Post had this article written by Keith Getty. Keith Getty wrote the song In Christ Alone. You may know that song. And the article says, In Christ Alone writer Keith Getty is warning church leaders about the modern worship movement, which he describes as one of cultural relevance that is utterly dangerous and is contributing to the de-Christianizing of God's people. In an interview with the Christian Post, Getty said many modern worship songs focus on emotionalism rather than on sound doctrine and scriptural truths. This, he said, leads to a generation ill-equipped to understand or defend the Christian faith. Over 75%, he said, of what are called the great hymns of faith talk about eternity, heaven, hell, and the fact that we have peace with God. Yet less than 5% of modern worship songs talk about eternity, he said. See, we've changed the focus of our songs. Many worship songs are focused on this earth, Getty said. I believe that modern, the modern worship movement is a movement for cultural relevance. It is de-Christianizing God's people. It's utterly dangerous. I have no quibble saying enough is enough. This can't happen to build an authentic generation, he said. This is a man who would not defend the five authorized acts of worship, by the way. This is a man who would be okay with innovating our worship services. But he says, it's going too far. It's not working. Getting away from God's pattern hasn't worked. In this article uh, entitled, um, uh, Lyrical Heresies, What's Wrong with Modern Worship Songs? the author jason dull says i have been increasingly concerned over the years with the lyrical content of mainstream worship songs many of our songs suffer from theological anorexia there's not enough theological content in them to make the devil yawn let alone choke they are so generic that one may have a hard time telling what god they are talking about if god is even mentioned then there are the God of My Girlfriend songs that are spiritually androgynous. One can't tell whether they are singing about their love for God or their love for their girlfriend. Finally, there are songs that have there are some songs. Uh, finally, there are some songs we have called 7-11 songs. They contain seven words sung eleven times. If you wanted to know what theologically robust songs look like, get yourself a hymnal that's more than thirty years old. They're pregnant with theological substance. Other songs we sing are fraught with theological error. No, we don't feel angels' wings brushing on our face, which I guess is one of the songs that is sung in these mega churches in modern worship. He goes on and says, I am troubled by the focus of the lyrics in many modern worship songs. They hardly engender worship of God because they barely speak about him or extol him. Sure, some songs may have quite a number of references to God or Jesus, but too often they talk about our feelings for God rather than God's acts and glory. Rather than glorifying God, they glorify our feelings about God. Do you see that? Rather than glorifying God, they're all about our emotions and our feelings about God. Um, uh, if you wonder why people are, aren't worshiping in your church, it might be because the songs you are singing are not promoting the worship of God because they are me-centric. Many of these songs are very entertaining, have catchy melodies and poetic lyrics, but they're focused on the wrong thing. If we sing about us, It should not surprise us when worship services are about us rather than God. Again, this isn't a guy who's committed to Bible authority. This isn't a guy who's committed to honoring what God has said about how worship should be. But he says it isn't working. That it is me-centric. It's about what I want. About how I feel. And when we deviate from what God has said, isn't that what we're doing? We're shifting to what I want. How I feel. This guy's honest enough to say that. Wish everyone was. It goes on and on. The solution is mentioned uh, by one writer, and he says in his article, he says, Don't provide a six flags over Jesus experience. The evangelical church has been amused to death. With each generation, a church devoted to amusement it must become brighter, shinier, and easier to reach its target audience. Don't go that route. You'll be sorry. The shows must not go on any longer. Let TV win already. It's time to stop acting. It's time to stop, stop entertaining. It's time to be the church. They're seeing the problem with modern worship. They have no commitment to Bible authority, but they see the problem of modern worship. Um, one more. In a recent article, this uh, Jamie Brown fretted about the state of evangelical worship. He fears the performacism found in modern worship culture will ultimately lead to a crash. Uh, but this guy says he thinks it's already too late, that they've already gone too far. Performance worship is now the norm. I fear this is the case with practically all evangelical mega, mega churches and their emulating congregations, which now includes a growing number of uh, desperate, uh, disparate. Uh, mainline congregations as well. Uh, we'll we see it uh, in the hip, edgy, urban, emergent congregations that tout their return to liturgy but still find themselves enslaved to commercial entertainment forms. Yes, performance worship has killed worship, and it's done it in several key ways. We could go on and on. But these folks, again, aren't committed to Bible authority, but they see the problem. As I mentioned, and as they mentioned, that this worship... Is designed with the individual who's worshiping in focus. Galatians chapter five verse twenty four says, "Those who have are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." It's not all about me. As a Christian, it's not all about me. When I worship God, it's not all about me. It's about what God wants. We mentioned Romans chapter one. Verse 25 already. Romans 1 verse 25 talks about exchanging the truth of God for a lie and worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator who's blessed forever. It is me-centric. It is me-centric. And furthermore, it cheapens the worship service and dilutes the message that is preached. The singing, the songs aren't... What's said in the songs isn't as important as the tempo and how the songs are performed. The sermon can't be hard. The sermon can't make me uncomfortable. The sermon can't tell me that I need to change. That's not popular. People won't come for that message. And so the message has to be diluted. The worship service is cheapened. And in all of this, we see people by their actions expressing that they do not honor God's Word that they do not believe it is the power of God into salvation right James chapter 1 verse 21 James 1:21 says therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls this is what is able to save our souls not a flashy light show not a bull riding session with a little sermon between the second and third bull rider Not a fireworks show after the last bull rider falls off the bull. This is what saves our soul. And by all of the gimmicking and all of the dressing up of the worship service, what people have said is we no longer believe this has any value. What we need to do is entertain people. People wouldn't be interested in this. No, they wouldn't be interested in what Paul said about the gospel of Christ which is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. Nah, that's not going to cut it. We need something else. And sadly, there are churches that claim to be churches of Christ, I'm afraid, who feel this way. That worshiping God the way that He said to worship Him and preaching this simple message isn't going to cut it anymore. That we just can't do it. We want to be popular and this isn't going to do it. And so we need to move and we need to cave and move with the times Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart I tell you modern worship doesn't work and it is wrong because it discounts the value of God's word Finally, I only want to tell you that modern worship is wrong because it just simply won't work focusing on me and what makes me happy and what makes me have some type of emotional response, what makes me feel good, serving me coffee and donuts when I come into worship will not make me a stronger Christian. It won't get me closer to God. Instead, it gets me closer to what I want and what makes me feel good. You know, Jesus condemned people who were interested in just what they got out of worship in John chapter 12, uh, six, John chapter 6 beginning verse 26 In John chapter 6 verse 26 people weren't coming to follow Jesus and to worship him they were follow, coming to Jesus and following him for the food In, G, in John chapter 6 verse 26 John 6:26 Jesus answered them and said most assuredly I say you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal on him. This was, you you remember, the day after Jesus had fed the multitudes, and they came to him for more, and Jesus knew they were coming for the food, not for the teaching. And he didn't say, hey, listen, we want to have a big crowd. If they want food, we'll just give them some food. Remember, all that Jesus would need to do is say the word, and he could have had all the food. He could have all the coffee and donuts that they could hold. And he said, "That's not going to cut it. That's not what this is about." The churches today need to hear Jesus's message in Hebrews chapter five, verse eleven. We looked at this this morning. Of who we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk. Is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those by who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We're not getting that with modern worship today. We're getting entertainment, and it simply doesn't get one closer to God. Finally, this morning, what is the solution? Or this evening, what is the solution? The solution is to worship God the way that He said to worship Him. In Psalm 95, verse 6, the psalmist says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let us worship and honor Him. Not me. Not what I want. Not what makes me feel good, but what God wants. Let's worship Him. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, we read, Therefore, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. It's not about me. It's about Him, and I need to be worshiping and praising Him. And finally tonight, as I worship Him, I want to tell you I cannot worship God if I'm not worshiping Him the way that He said to be worshiped. If I deviate from that, and I substitute what I want what I prefer, I'm no longer worshiping God. And the scriptures are clear on that. A couple examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 15. In First Samuel chapter 15, you remember that Saul was instructed to go and kill the Amalekites. And he did not do that. It said he kept back some of the best of the spoils for himself. And he tried to justify disobeying God. By saying, you know what I wanted to do? I was going to worship you. God didn't want that kind of worship, did he? God wasn't happy just that Saul would do something and slap the label worship on it and say, well, it must be good. No, Saul was not obeying God. And Saul was condemned for it. Samuel said, God doesn't want any of that. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, then Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Does God just care that you do something and call it worship? No, He wants you to be obeying Him. And then in Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, beginning of verse 1. The familiar story of Nadab and Abihu. Now it's interesting here. We know the story. Nadab and Abihu did not worship God the way that God wanted him to be worshiped the way God had instructed. But notice what God said about it. In Leviticus chapter 10, beginning verse 1, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, and put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Now it's interesting. Nadab and Abihu did something that most people would say is insignificant. They offered God incense with fire that was from a different location, apparently, than what God had told them to do. One simple change. I don't know, maybe the fire was more convenient. Maybe it was a shorter walk to get it. I don't know why they offered strange fire, but they offered strange fire. But they were worshiping God, so everything's good, right? No, what did God say about it? God said, I must be regarded as holy. And I must be glorified by all the people. When you don't worship God, like He said to be worshiped, you know what you do? You profane Him. You say, God, you said to do it this way but I got a better idea. Is God holy anymore? No. Is he glorified anymore? No. Who's glorified? Me. Because it's what I want, not what God wants. God said I'm not happy with this worship because it doesn't honor and glorify me. And that's happening in religious world in the religious world all around us today. We need to be aware of the dangers of worshiping God by the modern methods that are in the world around us. In John chapter 4, Joseph read for this, this for us in verse 23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. There are all kinds of problems with modern worship. The religious world is seeing those problems and the only solution is to get back to what the Bible has instructed about worship. Well, I hope the message has been instructive tonight and helpful. This was a sermon that I promised two weeks ago. Uh, I failed to remember that David would be preaching last week. So we talked about worship two weeks ago and then followed up tonight with modern worship, um, if you even remember that far back. I know at least one person in the audience doesn't remember the promise that I made uh, because uh, uh, of the time that's passed by. It's important that we worship God the way that we should to glorify and honor Him. And we need to live the way that He said to live so that we glorify and honor Him. If we're not living like we should, you know we're doing the same thing, aren't we? We're not glorifying and honoring God. We're saying, God, I know how you want me to live, but I simply don't care. I'm going to live the way that I want to live. And now I'm God of my life. I'm Lord of my life. He's not. If you're here tonight and you're not worshiping like you sh- or living like you should, Can you put God back on that throne and can we help? Would you let us help while we stand and while we sing?